It's the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, and we are live. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. What the hell was that, Mike? I mean, (laughs) we're through, right? Yeah. Greek tragedy averted, didn't happen, delighted. But we've got plenty to unpack off the back of that game. I want to say a big hello to everybody who's joining us live at the moment. I can see plenty of familiar faces who join me for the watch along as well. So um, delighted that you haven't got sick of me yet this evening. So welcome uh, into the live stream. Delighted to have you guys. And of course, a big hello uh, to everybody who is uh, listening to this back via the audio or watching this back on a replay. Uh, don't forget, before we get into it, smash the like button if you haven't already. And I want to say a big welcome uh, to double N, triple eight, double N, Nan, Nan, like Nanberg, Nan, Nan, who's just signed up to become a member of the YouTube channel. Uh, thank you so much. One of five people have joined us tonight. So absolutely delighted uh, that you guys are enjoying the content and are, are willing to support. So thank you so much, mate. Really, really appreciate it. Mike, we got through. We didn't play very well. Important players stepped up to the mantle when it mattered. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, Bukayo Saka, Kieran Tierney. Let's let's try and get all the negatives out of the way first, right? Because there are negatives from this performance. There's no getting away from that. That's going to take a long time. (laughs) Yeah, it probably will. I mean, as much as I'm, I'm in support of Mikel Arteta and I back Mikel Arteta and I want him to continue in the job, I don't necessarily hold him accountable for for some of the the mistakes that occurred tonight or for what happened out on the pitch necessarily but I mean let, let let's start with the back line right I thought and I, I don't I've not really picked on this guy before but I thought Gabriel's performance was so under par and I think ever since he's returned from covid he's not looked anywhere near the same player I think he looks clumsy I think he looks uncomfortable on the ball at times is he somebody that you highlighted as somebody who maybe didn't perform to the level required tonight uh let me just say that i think uh i'm glad and you will probably be glad that i wasn't on your watch long tonight because i was cursing uh gabriel a lot during that game because i thought he was terrible i think you're being pretty kind to him now i think it was actually his worst game in an arsenal shirt um, and that's quite a surprise because he obviously started very well, didn't he? And he was starting to build up a bit of a relationship with Rob Holding. They looked pretty, pretty solid uh, before he, he obviously was out for a bit. But my God, tonight, like so rash, um, like the, the indecision, uh, just absolutely no sort of, you know, semblance of, of, of calm that, that you need in a game like that. And I thought he, his inexperience really showed massively. And obviously, being next to someone like David Luiz, who who can lose concentration, is clearly not a good mix, um, and probably why he's he's suited playing with Holding a little bit more. But he was a, a number, one of a number of players who were 
under par for me tonight. And as you said, our, our big players, the players who we should be building around, um, dug us out of trouble. And I think we were quite lucky. I, I think the, the Greek gods were on our side in Athens tonight. <laughs> Um, and yeah, I'm I'm glad it's over. Let's just say that because I've I've got a smile on my face now. I've got um I've got a cup of tea next to me, which has probably about ten percent of tea. The rest, um, some strong Greek spirits inside because uh yeah, my nerves are gone, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm glad we're through. But there's there's a lot of things to discuss. There is indeed, and and speaking of Greek gods, I don't really want to start. Uh, and I, I don't really want to sit here and dig people out, you know, but it's, you know, if we're going to analyse this performance fairly, there there were players who were well under par tonight and we, and we have to discuss that. Gabriel, for me, was one of them. Moving into the midfield, I want to talk a little bit about Danny Ceballos because in the first leg, I thought he was probably Arsenal's best player. I didn't think he was very good tonight. I, I have some sympathy for him for the free kick that he conceded, which obviously ended up in the top corner. I mean, you can't allow the player to just waltz past you on the edge of the box and not make a challenge. So I do feel a little bit of sympathy for him in that sense. But the second one, I mean, what on earth was he doing, Mike? He's he's even got time as the ball's coming over and he glances to look at the Benfica player. He's fully aware of his position, yet still opts to head it back to the goalkeeper. I thought, I thought that was um I thought that was terrible. It was it was shambolic and it was just one of them situations where you're thinking just just get him off because he's going to be shot and that that's what Arteta did to be fair to him. Um I just have no idea. I mean he obviously had no idea where he was. He he, he knew that Louise was next to him. Why couldn't he have taken a touch? Why couldn't he have done anything but but what he did? And um He's quite lucky, really, that that Leno sort of let the attacker go past him rather than bring him down because that situation could have been a, could have been a lot worse, I think. So fair play to Leno for not not losing his head, whereas Ceballos did. Um, but yeah, one thing I want to say about that that tackle, and I've I've seen a lot of people grilling Ceballos online. I will say it's a bad foul, but no one's expecting that guy to to bang it into the top corner like that. And also, let let me just say, if that was Xhaka that made that mistake, can you imagine the pelters he'd be getting right now? Because our, our, the, the, our sort of feedback on Twitter, online from Arsenal fans, is so agenda-driven right now, more than it ever has been. And, you know, Sabahos has made a horrific couple of mistakes. Um, he's, he's, he's almost cost us the game. He's lucky that his teammates have bailed him out of trouble. But it, it happens, doesn't it? It happens. Yeah, it does. And, and I want to move on swiftly from that bit now because I felt like those two performances individually, and, and I, when I say performances, I mean Gabriel's performance and Danny Sabalos' one error I thought was, was inexcusable. Mm. So yeah, I think they had to be discussed and we've done that now. Let, let's move on and let's talk about, first of all, Bakayo Saka. I mean, this kid never ceases to amaze me. His passing range is is unbelievable. The first goal, uh, wonderful passing behind for Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, who uh, finished wonderfully. And then, of course, he, he delivered the ball into the box for that that winning goal. And, I, and I've seen Arsenal fans over the last few weeks. And, you know, I probably kind of feel this way as well. You know, we look at him and we go, this guy needs a rest. You know, he's 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 playing too much football. Are we at risk of burning him out? 
But the reality is, Mike, that he's he's so important to this Arsenal side. You cannot possibly take him out right now. No, no, you can't. Um, the one thing I, I would say is, and this is going to come back to a criticism eventually, but let me first pray Saka because the guy is just absolutely unbelievable. Uh, the fact that he has, has come into the side, started as a left-back, uh, been moved to the left, been moving midfield, and now he's actually... You know, said to the to the club record signing Nicolas Pepe. You, you know what? You're not really doing it out there, so I'm going to come in and show you how to how to play in your position. It's it's just unbelievable from from a kid that's that's come from the academy. Um, I saw one of our uh, former scouts, or sorry, one of the heads of the academy, Andres Yonker, came out and said that um, he wasn't that sure uh, whether Saka like was 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 going to be this good, basically. And I think he's just absolutely shocked us all. I mean, we, we all knew that he was a big talent, but to be this consistent is nuts for, for a player of his age. To to like, if if you think back to Saka, I can't you know put on, I can't think of two or three games, the two or three bad games that he's had since he's come into the team. I mean, he's he's had a few mistakes, had a few off-color days, but I can't think of a game where I've said, "Oh, Saka was poor today." And to to say that about a teenager is just insane. So f- fair play to him. Um, on the on the sort of um, whether he should be rested or not, I think it's a, it's a bit of a poor indictment, Harry, to our our other players that he that Arteta doesn't feel like they're good enough to step up and and say, all right, well we can rotate Saka. I think that's that says more about about them than it than it does say about Saka. Yeah, of course, Saka is a big player for us, but when you're looking at at Pepe, when you're looking at the likes of Willian, you know, a Premier League winner, uh, experienced international, and he's just nowhere near it at the moment. I think it, I think it says to you quite a lot about that. Um, but I am worried because if we lose Saka, I mean, whatever remaining we we have in this season, which is albeit not much, is is probably going to go because he he's he's everything right now, absolutely everything. Like with without him, we don't win that game, and we probably don't win like more than fifty percent of of our games this season, even though it's not been many. Yeah, now he's he's been incredible, and and let's have a look at. Uh, what some of you guys are saying in the chat because there's lots of praise uh, coming in the direction of Bukayo Saka um, who, who's been brilliant. Mr. Tesh also points out that Saka got very little protection from the ref today. Uh, says he was being brutalised. Mm. Uh, Barry says Saka is the best Arsenal player. Um, Steve says Saka is consistently in the best one to three players on the pitch. Uh, Jan Franco says Mike's right. Saka has had bad games but he's most the most consistent by a mile. Martin says Saka's all-round game is phenomenal, especially for his age and his versatility too. Yeah, I mean, you know, he, he's been he's been excellent. He's been excellent, and he came up with two really really big moments for us today. And obviously, those two moments that we refer to uh, were put in the back of the net and finished off by Pierre Emerick Aubameyang, who you know scored that hat trick against Leeds. Didn't do a great deal. Um, in the game against Manchester City, although Arsenal as an, a unit didn't do much. Probably missed a few chances in the first leg of this tie that he should have put away. But ultimately, he's had the final say. And when you've got a fit and firing Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang in your side, there is always a chance that Arsenal can beat people. And people talk about the Europa League, and I've seen many over the last few days saying, Arsenal have no chance of winning it anyway. 
I think when you've got a Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang fit and firing in cup competitions, you you always have a chance. Do you agree? Yeah, I do. Um, and I think Aubameyang has been getting back to his best and that, that's really important because it was getting to a stage where he was becoming a bit of a peripheral figure and people were saying, should he even be in the team? I, I remember me saying here on last time, I think Aubameyang shouldn't get in the team at the moment. And it's one of them situations where, although he's been really good, really sharp, back to his best, and it, this is probably going to sound harsh given he's just basically just sent us through to the next round. But I think we're a bit one-dimensional still, Harry, when when he does play up front. I, I still think we miss... We miss that all-round play uh, of, of, of Lacazette, the, the ability to hold up the ball, the ability to bring other players into play. And I think the reason you've been seeing Arteta line up with Saka, Odegaard and Emil Smith-Rowe in behind Aubameyang is to make up for that deficiency because they are responsible for all of the creativity because he's not able to create chances for himself, essentially. Like, he's not, he's, he's not a Lacazette where he's going to back into the defender, create a bit of space and then set someone through. So although I'm don't get me wrong, I'm absolutely delighted that, that Aubameyang's finding his, his form again and he's going to be an important player for us. But I just think we can't be reliant on him as our as our only source of goals. I think what you were seeing a little bit more when Lacazette was in a team, the goals were shared around a little bit. And Aubameyang up front is not going to work in in every game as as we've seen. It was great against Leeds because we, we had loads of space in behind. We had space in behind again today, but against City, he was pretty much non-existent. So I think Arteta is playing a bit of a dangerous game in the sense of you had Lacazette, who was fit, fit and firing, scoring those goals. He's suddenly taken out of the side. Aubameyang's back in. And now Lacazette, with his minion boots, was nowhere to be seen. <laughs> and I think he's going to need Lacazette and, and, until the end of the season. And then, and then they make a decision on what to do. So Pepe as well, like, he didn't bring him on. You know, he's made this big fuss about saying move Pepe out, out to the left. He's been brilliant there. And then he's he's not played the last few games. So I think he's towing a difficult line right now. And he needs Arteta needs to be careful with how he handles things. We've got so many games coming up. I, I think there's absolutely no excuse why why the team shouldn't be rotated. Yeah, I think the the team probably will be rotated in the Premier League and you know, I know we need to improve on our current league position. There's no doubt about that. You know, that needs to get better. But, you know, ultimately the, the Europa League is, is going to take precedent now because it's the only way, realistic way, of Mikel Arteta, Mikel, Arteta, Mikel Arteta, I can't even talk, achieving his ultimate goal this season, which is to get Arsenal back in the Champions League. I think you make a fair point about Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. I just think that you saw tonight that if he gets the service then he can play as a centre-forward and be effective. I mean, how much more impact can you ask from your striker than to score two goals in a game? So I think that he can play there. Um, I agree with you that in certain games, it doesn't really work. And I think I actually like the fact that we've got options there. It's just selecting mm -hmm. the right option for the right game. And I don't think Mikel's always done that. And that's probably a criticism that you could you could level at him fairly. Um you mentioned Pepe not coming on. Someone who did come on and I thought impacted the game really positively and was probably key to Arsenal creating chances uh, after his arrival was Willian. And I went absolutely mad in the watch along. And I, 
I've got to apologise, right, because I lost my rag a little bit and I try not to, but I did. I lost my rag because the minute Willian came on, um, which was after we conceded the goal, by the way, people were going in the chat, oh, well, FR Teta, get him out. Why is he bringing Willian on? And and the, the thing was, Willian has not been great since he's joined Arsenal, right? There's not an Arsenal fan out there who can deny that. But the the deal is that he wasn't responsible at the moment he came on for Arsenal being 2-1 down. At least give the guy a chance to fail before everybody jumps on his back. And Willian, I thought his um, his runs were, were, were good. I thought he took up some really good positions. I thought he gave us uh, a presence on the left wing that Emil Smith-Rowe wasn't really giving us because he's not a winger, ultimately. Mm. Um, maybe he's not not as, you know, I guess, accustomed to, to playing that role. And I thought Willian picked up spaces in the pockets and made things happen. And he played the ball back to Kieran Tierney for the second goal. I know Kieran Tierney done lots of it himself, you know, shifted the ball uh, out of his foot and fired it back across the goal into the far corner. Brilliant finish from Tierney. And we'll come on and talk about him in a minute. But... You know, Willian proved tonight that he can impact games. He didn't go on the pitch, take on 10 players, bang one into the top corner and send us into raptures. But he did impact the game by coming on. And ultimately, for all the criticism that people fire at Mikel about his substitutions normally, you have to say today that he made the right call because it made a positive impact. Yeah. I mean, I think he was he was good. I'll, I don't know, but I'm, I'm interested to know what you thought he did really well because I'm, I'm sort of looking at it and think, yeah, he, he did okay and held on to the ball and he put a few decent crosses in, but I don't, I'm not sure he was that big of an impact. I don't know. So let me, let me, me let me clarify what I thought he did well. I thought that when when Emil Smith Rowe was playing out there, Emil Smith Rowe naturally was always looking to come infield. And our only actual weapon down the left-hand side was Kieran Tierney. You never saw Kieran Tierney come inside and Emil Smith-Rowe go outside. It was predictable. It was the same pattern of play over and over again. Emil Smith-Rowe starts on the left touchline, drives in field, creates space that Kieran Tierney from left-back tries to expose. I thought when Willian came on, that changed because Willian was willing to stay on the touchline was often the player on the outside rather than the one on the inside. He played the ball from the outside in to Tierney to score that goal. And I thought the positions he took up just forced Benfica to retreat a little bit more than they had been doing um, earlier on in that half. And I feel that just having that presence in the right positions at the right times created spaces for others. He didn't necessarily, you know, turn the game on its head by himself. But I thought that his positioning was smarter. I thought his positioning um, created situations whereby we could punish Benfica a little bit more than Emil Smith-Rowe had done prior to that. And and that's not a dig at Emil Smith-Rowe. That's not me knocking the kid, you know. That's not his position. And he's still very young. But performances like tonight from Emil Smith-Rowe are why we needed to go out and get more. It's why we had to bring Martin Odegaard in. It's why uh, Mikel Arteta still feels that people like William have a part to play. And, and I just thought that he showed a bit of experience. He took up the right positions. And without massively changing the game, he subtly impacted it in our benefit. Do you, do you think that's something that um, 
Pepe or Martinelli wouldn't have been able to do, or you just because I think my my only concern is that yeah, Willian, you know, he could he did he, he did all right tonight, and I, I want to see a bit more of that. I think he was um, he was quite bright when he came on. I, I want to say um, my only concern is that obviously you know is his long term future at, at Arsenal. For me, pro- probably not. I mean, he's going to be a sort of fringe player. I think we we, we accepted that from the beginning. Um, I just worry really about what what like the fact that Arteta has persisted with him, what that means because we've got a lot of options now. And um, I don't know if you noticed, Harry, but also we had two 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 keepers on the bench, which meant that there was no place for for Reece Nelson, which was a bit. A bit weird. He probably wouldn't have come on, but I mean, it's a bit weird that we're sort of not even involved in whatsoever. I saw he was playing for the under-23s the other day as well, but just in terms of a wider point, it's what's the plan going forward? I think that's the most important thing for, for Arteta to work out because it's essentially the league is a write-off. No one's expecting us to to finish in the, in the top four. So Arteta has to work out, you know, what system does he want to play? Who's he gonna? Who's he gonna keep around? Who's he gonna get rid of? And I'm mostly frustrated about Martinelli. We don't obviously know what's what's going on behind the scenes. I think Arteta's come out. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think he's come out and said that he's a bit hesitant to sort of throw him back in because he's he's not long come back from his injury and he picked up a few here and there, didn't he? When when he came back, but he's such a bright player, such a talent. It, it's really disappointing for me when I when I see him on the bench in a game like that. And you know, like, given his base talent, what he can do, the explosive impact that he can have, you know, a much potentially much bigger impact than than Willian. That's that's my concern, and that's that's not taken away from Willian. That's just my overriding feeling on that. But but do you think? And I get what you're saying. What you're saying, what you're suggesting, is that the the reverberations of going with Willian ahead of Pepe or Martinelli, time yeah. and time again could be negative and I, and I get that what I would say is though does that matter when you win does anybody look back at it when you win and you, you know you're Gabriel Martinelli you're Nicolas Pepe how can you go and knock on Mikel Arteta's door and say boss you got it wrong tonight by bringing Willian yeah. ahead of me when ultimately Willian had an impact on on the on the result going our way and that's my point. You know, these things are only yeah. an issue when when you don't win, right? Mm. Yeah, no, I, I I agree with you. And just just based on tonight, but as as you alluded to, I think it's been a sort of ongoing thing. I mean, the fact that it took Arteta so long to to drop Willian after disaster class after disaster class. You know, I'm glad that he's done it now. It just leads me to question, firstly, why he even wanted him in the first place. He was so keen to get him, considering what he's produced. And and secondly, why it took so long. But I just think, you know, this is a team where essentially we're being carried by a lot of our young, hungry players. And I don't want to block that pathway for the next young, hungry players that, that, that should be should be pushing us forward ahead of a, a William. But you're right. Yeah, tonight, look, it's not an issue. But um, I just think we need a bit of future planning. We do. We, we're in that situation now where... We're just a, a mid-table team. I mean, you know, we're, our, our our season is is dependent on the Europa League. And I don't know about you, but based off the the performance tonight, I I am concerned about about who we get in the draw tomorrow. 
and I hope it's a it's a relatively easy draw because based based you know off of the last two legs we we did look a bit ropey. Obviously, I'm I'm so glad for us to be through, and you've got a fighting chance. Um, you know, when you when you get to this stage, just knock out football. But there's a few signs for me that's that's concerning. Yeah, look, I think we can all agree that the performance wasn't anything to ride home about. You know, overall defensively, we looked as as shaky as I think we've looked um, this season. You know, at times we've defended really, really well, but at times, you know, we've had these moments. And and when I talk about these moments, I'm talking about individual mistakes. And you know, I've seen a couple of comments in the chat saying that that Mikel maybe was a little bit lucky tonight with the way that things panned out, but. At the end of the day, he you can't call him lucky when it goes right and then criticise him when it goes wrong. Like there has to be a middle ground. And for me, the bottom line is that his substitutions, the, the changes that he made today, they impacted the game and they helped us to get the result that we needed. We've touched on the mistakes at the beginning. We wanted to get those out of the way early doors. I want to talk a little bit about Kieran Tierney because obviously stepped up with that that second goal, which which proved crucial in the end. Um, I didn't think for what it's worth that Kirantini actually had his best game tonight. Um, I thought when he got into the final third prior to that, he didn't really make good use of the balls. He put some poor deliveries into the box. I thought he looked as if he was blowing a little bit and he spoke after the City game about how knackered he was. Yeah, And, um, you know, it's good to see him come through it unscathed. But, I mean, he is another one who is very quickly establishing himself and, and turning himself into one of the real leaders of this Arsenal side. Just so, so good, Harry. I absolutely love him. Like He's just everything we we wanted in a fullback for so many years. I mean, like even going back to... He's he's easily been our best left-back since Ashley Cole. I mean, there's no doubt about that. You know, we've had, you know, Gal Clichy since then, Kieran Gibbs promised but never quite delivered. But this guy is the real deal. And it was at such a bargain price as well. I, I just can't believe that other teams let, let him slip. I mean, what I, lo- what I love most about him is just his he's, uh, passion, determination, desire, you know, willing his other teammates on. I don't care about all this other stuff that a lot of fans teams care about, like Kirantini training in a, in, a, in a T-shirt in the freezing cold weather. I don't care about that. Like, that's just all for show. Um you know, people praise him about that. But what I actually like is his presence on, on the pitch. And we've at last got a left-back who, who can not only, like, chip in with some wonderful crossing and, you know, really picks out his man, but can chip in with goals as well. I think he's... Was that his second or third goal this season? So, you know, he's he's well on his way to becoming, you know, an extremely vital cog in, in the team. And... I've seen a lot of reports over the last few days, Harry. I know you spoke about it the other day about about Bellerin and what where his future is going to lie. You sort of compare the two, and you think one has just come into the team and been absolutely incredible, and the other ones. I don't want to say he's been poor, but I would just say he's been slightly above average. And so you want basically every position to have a minimum standard. And when you look at the two, you think one, absolutely incredible, fire, drive, you know, passion. And the other side, it's like, eh. So I think that's where we are at the, at the moment. And if if everyone could sort of look at Tierney's lead, at Saka's lead and say, yes, that's what we need to hear. We're going to be in good shape. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, in an ideal world, you'd, you'd have that standard and you'd, you'd achieve that standard in every position. 
problem is that 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 takes time it takes time to identify those players and it takes finance to bring them in and um you know yeah. with, with things the way they are um you know you don't really know uh, whether that's achievable come the summer in terms of the the overall picture now i mean i feel like the pitchforks for Mikel Arteta were being sharpened with about 10 minutes to go in that game um there's been a lot of people who have been against him who are not convinced that he's the right man and whilst I do believe in Mikel Arteta and I do think he is moving us in the right direction, albeit a little bit slower than I would have liked, I think you, you can kind of understand why there are fans out there who are unsure, right? And although the result was was good tonight and we got through, there'll be there are plenty of things in that performance, as we've already alluded to some of them, that that will will worry people. And and one of the big things is the individual mistakes. The the frequency with which we're seeing individual mistakes is worrying. It's alarming. What do you put it down to? Is it a lack of concentration? Is it a lack of quality? Is it like what is it? What what is it for you that means Arsenal make more individual mistakes at key moments that prove costly than most of the teams around them? Yeah, it's a weird one, isn't it? Because I thought initially when Arteta came in, he did such a good job at stamping out that sort of stuff. Um, you know, he got us more defensively solid. All right, we weren't great going forward. Um, and obviously, we got to a stage earlier this season where we were just dire. I mean, those mistakes were happening all the time. Um, we were getting unlucky, yes. Um, and then when he sort of took the brakes off a bit and let us play, you saw a team that was confident. Um, and then we got to a stage where we lost those two games, didn't we? Aston Villa and, and Wolves back to back. That dented our confidence. Um, and I don't know if it is a systemic thing, Harry, because I think Arteta has worked well to get the, the team spirit up and get, and get you know, a, a togetherness that, that we haven't, that we didn't see um, in, the, in the last few years of Wenger uh, and we didn't see uh, under Emery at all, really. Um, but I just still think it's down to it's, it's down to an individual thing where some of our players just plainly are from a past era and they're and they're not good enough because as we mentioned, like you see players like like Tierney, you see players like Saka, um, players like you know although he's not played too much, Thomas Party, and yeah, they will make mistakes, but I think what you will get for them is one hundred percent commitment. And they sort of lift the teammates around them. And I see some of these players like David Luiz, constant mistakes, you know. Um, Hector Bellerin, as, as I said, just slightly above average. That that might be even generous tonight. But you see it with, with the same players over and over again. And I struggle to be able to say that, that that's Arteta's fault. Because how can it be? Yeah. I don't that's, know. That's how I feel as well. You know, how can he be responsible for somebody having a brain fart during a game you know ultimately people will say well he selects this team he selects those players but it's not as though he's blessed with 25 world-class players at Arsenal we all yeah. acknowledge and accept that you know there are, are real weaknesses in the side I, I did say that there were things that you can take away from that tie that you would probably be a little bit worried about but flipping it the other way can you not take some confidence from the fact that the only things that Benfica created were from us, basically, from were off the back of really bad errors. You know, the foul on the edge of the box, you know, uh, not 
not disastrous, but avoidable. You know, you're talking about a, their second goal, which came off the back of a really bad mistake. In the first leg, their goal was off the back of a, an Emil Smith-Rowe mistake. So can you not flip it the other way and say, actually, the fact that we are beating ourselves at the moment means it is at least something that's within our hands to put right? Yeah, in a way, in a way. Yeah, I I see where you're coming from. I just think that, it, on the other hand, like, this is a poor Benfica side. Like, they were previously a Champions League club but you know they're not any they're not anywhere near it this season like, let's be honest and you know we are shooting ourselves in the foot I think the main positive that that will take Harry is that we 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 reacted really well tonight um to going behind uh at, at sorry not to going behind when they scored 2-2 and they're basically going to go through on away goals I think we reacted very quickly I think in past you would have seen Arsenal team's head drop we didn't do that you know, we got ourselves back into the game immediately and then we we pushed and pushed and pushed. Yeah, it wasn't brilliant. It wasn't vintage Arsenal, but we, we found a way to go through. And in knockout football, you know, you can often be the completely best side over the, over the two legs, but it will be slight little errors that cost you. And I think personally that we were good enough in terms of creating chances in the first leg to have completely killed off the game. I don't, I don't think this second leg should have been a contest, but obviously, you know, another error... Um, us not being able to bury our chances Bamiang missed a few in the first leg I think that's what held us back so I know what you're saying there are definitely positives there it's just about us coming together as a collective unit and and um, and just really really pushing and pushing and you know as you, as you said we need these key players to, to, to keep fit to give us a, a fighting chance you know I'm, I'm not saying that we've got absolutely no chance of winning the Europa League I think if if the draw goes favourably and we see ourselves, you know, get a, a decent 32 tie. And then, you know, we're looking at ourselves in the in the quarterfinals and then quarterfinals, anything can happen. So, look, I'm not I'm not, I'm not being completely negative. But as, as we've mentioned, there, there are slight things that that concern you. But I think overall, my overriding feeling with, with, with Arteta at the moment, is just like I've come to an acceptance that he is the manager that's seeing us through this rebuild it's not going to be pretty. There's going to be there's going to be bad times. There's going to be players that are going to have to be let go. More hard decisions in the summer. But I think, judging by our, our transfer activity in January, especially when we got rid of Mustafi, we got rid of Socrates, and we got rid of uh, Mesut Ozil. I think those are three pretty big transfers for us in terms of clearing out the past mistakes of the past regimes. And that's why I'm having confidence in in Arteta because I think give us a few more transfer windows get rid of more of the deadwood and bring in more exciting, you know, young players. And I think we're, we're going to be getting somewhere, but it's whether fans can have the patience. Cause as we've yeah. seen, you know, we're not the most patient bunch. Let's, let's just say that. Yeah. That's, that, that's the key, isn't it? Will people allow him to have that time to do it? Um, you know, there's no guarantee that it'll work. Of course, there's no guarantees with anything, but you know, it, it it's, it, it can't work right away. That's the bottom line. And, and people, you know, I get told this all the time, you know, you're accepting mediocrity by by saying that. And I'm not accepting it. I'm just understanding of where we actually are and being realistic about the situation. A couple of quick messages. Don't forget that the Chronicles of Aguna is currently sponsored by Manscaped. So if your forbidden forest is in need of some attention, head over to manscaped.com, enter our discount code, which is 90min20, and you will get 20% off uh, at manscaped.com on whatever your order is 
as well as free shipping. So head over, take advantage of the offer. Um, also, if you haven't already, make sure you smash the like button on the video. It's so, so important. Uh, please hit the like button. It helps push the video up the rankings and that way we get more views and the channel continues to grow. Uh, and just finally, if you're interested in becoming a Chronicles of Aguna member, you can do so by clicking on the link in the description uh, and you'll get some information come up on your screens about the free tiers available and you can choose which, if any of those, appeal to you. Um, Mike, let's, um, you know, let's, we've we've summarized, we've gone through the game, we've gone through the key points, we've talked about the key performances, we've talked about a little bit about the bigger picture at Arsenal. I mean, I'm gathering from what you're saying that you're quite okay with with Mikel being given uh, longer. But where does that end for you? Where is the, you know, what are the stipulations to that? What what do Arsenal need to do between now and the end of the season for Mikel to warrant continuing in this job? Or is it just for you, he has to be given more time regardless? Yeah, look, yeah, because when you look at this season, essentially, I, for me personally, I think we've got way too many hard games coming up soon over the next few weeks to to even give us a, a fighting chance of, of top four. I think I think that's gone. There's there's teams way better than us um, in in the league essentially, and we've got too many too many tough games. So that's that, that's a write off now. Doesn't really matter where, where we finish, to be honest, because you know whether we finish top eight top 10 it's it's all relatively the same i mean you'd, you'd like to think that we will get a europa league spot but obviously that that depends on, on other factors as well doesn't it um so then it all comes down to the europa league and no i want us to get as far as possible i think if we can get to a final that will be a success um Obviously, you want to win it, but there's some good teams in there still. Um, you've got, you know, Manchester United. Although I did see that uh, the Napoli and Hoffenheim went out tonight, so you, you never know. There might be some more big, big shocks in there. Um, but I think, I think for me, Harry, I just think fans are just going to have to accept where we are. Um, you know, we're not anywhere near the team that we used to be, and I think people still look at it with that lens that we're still a Champions League club and. To be quite honest, we're not. So I think I don't think I'm being negative when I say that. I just think I'm I'm accepting of the as you said, well, I'm accepting of the situation that that we're in. So for me, a successful season, you know, is us pushing into the into the top six. I think that top six, top top seven will be a successful league season. And in terms of um Europe, I think getting to a final. And, you know, if we can win that, that'll be amazing. Um and then you start to look at next season, right? Say we have a, a decent summer, get some players out, you know, make some big decisions. Is Lacazette going to go? Is Hector Bellerin going to go? Are we going to sign a the the attacking midfielder? Are we going to get Odegaard permanently? I think you'll have to judge it on on what happens in that window, and then where we finish next season. Because we've had what? How many seasons out outside the top four now? I mean, it's been a long time. We need mm-hmm. to be pushing for that. We, we we need to be at that point Arteta would have had what two 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 years two and a half years well it's it's a hard one with Arteta, next season right? because you, you got to remember that he hasn't had a full season yet because he took over in December we had all yeah. that Covid shit right where we had three months essentially of uh, of everybody sitting on their asses and I know that he you know was in charge but I feel like that kind of time needs to be written off because he wasn't on the training ground with his team. He wasn't working with them. 
And then you've got to take into consideration the circumstances around the fact that once we finish the season, we then turned the next season around very, very quickly. And again, there was a lack of pre-season. And there are some mm-hmm. things that you can't embed in between two games in four days. So having that pre-season, I think, is the importance of it has sometimes been overlooked by Arsenal fans who are who are throwing the kind of uh, the stick towards Mikel Arteta. So I'm I'm reluctant to say that you know he's he's had enough time. I, in fact, I can't say that he's had enough time yet. I think if we do continue the way we're going in the Premier League and we do have a poor finish come the end of the season and a really and I'm talking when I'm talking about poor look seventh for me it's acceptable I guess given where we are now eighth pushing it but anything below that is is unacceptable and if we finish in an unacceptable position and fail to go far in the Europa League um, then I think that the pressure will be on Mikel Arteta from the first whistle next season I really do and mm-hmm. and I think that would be fair because by then he'd have had enough time to get his ideas across, surely. Yeah. And I mean, I'm sort of going slightly further than you in, in, in the sense of, I think, you know, whatever signings we do, I think this, this summer, Harry, is, is huge. It's, it's huge in many ways because there's a lot of, of big decisions to be made, as I, as I said, and, and um, I think whatever happens there, we'll have to give him a little bit more time. But if it gets to about December and where, where we were this season, they're going to have a decision to make. And it's just about what what backup plan they have. Because, you know, you've done the, since since Wenger left, you've done the experienced manager in, in, uh, in Emery. And now you've done the experienced transitional manager. We need world-class next. I think that's what we need because Arteta is still learning on the job, essentially. By that time, he would have done the hard part. He would have got rid of quite a lot of the, of the big players. So if we're not in that conversation come December for the for the top four, we're not looking likely, I think. I think, I think that's, that, that's fair to say. That's fair to say. But if we finish outside of the, of the top seven, top eight, I can't see them doing it. I can't. Even no, though it will be an extremely disappointing season, I just can't see it. However much Arsenal fans might want it. Me too. Completely agree. Feels like it's it's turned a little bit not doom and gloom, but I think no. we're, we're kind of all we're we're all accepting accepting is the wrong word because we're not accepting it. We're all understanding of the fact that yes, we've progressed in the Europa League and it's great and we're in the next round and we've got a draw to look forward to tomorrow. But we also know that there were still flaws in that performance. There are still areas in which we desperately need to improve. And it's great that you win the game, you celebrate it. That's what football fans do. If you can't be happy when you've won a game in a dramatic fashion like that, then what's the point in even watching the sport? So we're going to enjoy it tonight. We're going to enjoy it for the next 24 hours or so. And then attention turns to Leicester in the Premier League, uh, which is obviously an important game. Every game is important now, given where we are in the division. But let's enjoy it for tonight. Let's go away. Let's have a drink. Let's celebrate because Arsenal have, albeit in the uh, late stages, scraped through to the round of 16 in this year's UEFA Europa League. So we carry on marching on. Our season isn't over yet. 
uh, despite what some people would have you believe. But we'll be back very soon with another podcast. Got a couple of shows uh, coming your way tomorrow, so look forward to bringing you those. My thanks to Mike. Uh, Mike, how can people follow you and keep up with your great work? Yeah, just uh, follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Stabber. All my stuff from uh, Metro will be there brilliant stuff uh, make sure you get over there and give mike a follow don't forget to hit the like button on your way out subscribe to the channel if you're new check out manscape.com and if you're interested in becoming a member click the link in the description we'll be back very very soon with more the chronicles of aguna until then ciao you're listening to the chronicles of aguna the arsenal podcast I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.